When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. This week's stories are spooky and have moments that may not be suitable for younger listeners. Last week was spooky, but not too spooky. This week, straight up spooky. If you're responsible for tender ears, you might want to listen first or forge ahead and enjoy the chills. Downtown was decorated for the season. Halloween season, that is. Cobwebs across windows, skeletons peering out or hanging off buildings, pumpkins with lifeless grins inviting shoppers in. The streets were crowded with the undead. Pale faces that dripped in red, clothes torn, and whole families stumbled around with grins on their faces. I'd forgotten it was the week of zombie crawl, and I was underdressed. But I was enjoying it anyway, dodging displays of folks getting made up like zombies, weaving through groups of college and high schoolers who had put on ripped clothing in their closets and come out to join the fun. I noticed a doll as she got kicked by a teen who wasn't watching. It skidded across the pavement and landed at my feet. She was one of those baby dolls with the eyes that open and close, stiff limbs and a smile that really doesn't make anyone feel comfortable. She was dressed as a little zombie, a little bit of red at the edge of her mouth. I picked her up and her eyes opened, and a little voice emerged. Mama! The first story is told by Alton Chung, a native of Hawaii who tells finely spun stories rooted in a unique culture and one-of-a-kind perspective. He was recently a storyteller at the National Storytelling Festival, and I got to see him tell ghost stories. Now, he knows ghosts from many lands, but this particular story comes from Japan. This is Jinkaninki. Long, long time ago, in ancient Japan, there was a priest named Muso, who journeyed alone through the mountain district of the province of Mino and lost his way. He wandered for a long time looking for a place to spend the night until the sun sat low on the horizon. At last he saw, at the top of a hill, lighted by the last rays of the sun, a little hermitage, an anjitsu, a hut built for a solitary monk. Oh, it was in very bad condition, and although exhausted, he hastened to it and knocked. Please, sir, I have lost my way in these mountains, and I am in need of a place to sleep. May I spend the night here with you? Huh? No, no, there's barely enough room in here for me. Go away. Ah, oh... In the next valley, you will find a village, and there you may find shelter. No, 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 go away. Musa thanked the gruff monk and headed down into the valley at dusk. As the moon and stars rose, 
he came upon the village, a collection of a dozen buildings. Lanterns were glowing at the house of the headman, and Musso knocked. He was greeted by a young man, and he noticed that there were forty to fifty people assembled in the main room. Musso was shown to a separate small room with a bed. He was given food and hot tea, and when he had eaten, he lay down to rest. Oh, he was so very tired. After midnight, he was awakened by someone shaking his shoulder. It was the young man carrying a lantern. Oh, Reverend Sir, uh, yesterday I was only the eldest son, but it is my painful duty to tell you that I am now the head of this house. My father died just a few hours before you arrived. Oh, you look so tired that we did not wish to impose upon you in any way. Uh, the people whom you saw are the inhabitants of this village. They assembled here to pay their last respects to the dead. Now we are going to another village about three miles away, for it is our custom that no one shall remain in the village the night after a death has taken place. Oh, we make the proper offerings and prayers, and then go away, leaving the corpse alone. Strange things always take place in the house where the corpse has been left, so we think it best that you come along with us. We can find you good lodging in the other village. Thank you for your hospitality. I am grateful, but I'm also very sorry that you did not tell me of your father's death when I arrived. Although I was a little tired, it would not have interfered with my duties as a priest. I could have performed the service before your departure, but now I shall perform the service after you leave. I shall stay with your father until morning. Well, the young man appeared to be relieved and expressed his gratitude, as did all the others assembled. Now, Reverend Sir... As much as we regret to leave you, we must bid you farewell. By the rules of our village, none of us can stay any longer. If you happen to hear or see anything strange in the night, please, tell us in the morning when we return. And the villagers left. And the priest was left alone with the dead body. The usual offerings were set before the corpse, and a few small Buddhist lamps, tomyo, were burning. The priest performed the funeral rites, and then taking a tomyo, he sat behind a screen at the end of the room and began to pray. But the sounds of the crickets chirping and the frogs croaking were mesmerizing, and he was so very tired that he soon fell asleep. <gasps> what had awakened him? The crickets, the frogs, all was stillness. And yet he felt that he was not alone in the room with the dead man. Someone or something else was also present. The hairs on the back of his neck began to stand up. In the dark shadows in the far side of the room, he saw a white mist or vapor flow into the room. It roiled and boiled up into a figure, and then began to coalesce into a dark shape. It was huge and massive, over seven feet tall. It was part animal and part human. It walked on all fours, but its front limbs were arms. Its eyes were human, but they were set over a huge mouth 
filled with jagged, sharp teeth. The creature lumbered over to the corpse and seized the arms. With a casual twist of its powerful limbs, it tore the arms off and stuffed them into its gaping maw. It easily crunched through the bones, swallowing them down. It then began to tear huge hunks of flesh from the body and devouring the meat. Musso was terrified. He dared not blink. He dared not move. He dared not utter a sound. Sweat began to bead upon his brow. In moments, the creature consumed the entire body. It sopped up the blood with the funeral shroud and swallowed that too. It then began to gorge itself on the food offerings, tossing the empty dishes around the room. One bowl skittered across the floor and struck the screen, around which Musso was peering. <gasps> he let out a gasp. The creature stopped and turned to face the sound. The eyes of the creature and those of the priest locked and the creature's eyes turned red, and they stared at each other for what seemed like an eternity. Sweat rolled down Musso's face and collected in the collar of his robe. At last, the creature, not breaking eye contact, moved away. It backed into the shadows and dematerialized. The last thing Musso saw before it disappeared was its glowing red eyes. Once the creature vanished, Musso found that he could breathe again, and he began to pray. And that is how the villagers found him the next morning. Oh, Reverend Sir, all of us were anxious about you, but we are happy to find you alive and unharmed. Oh, we would have stayed with you, but the laws of our village oblige us to leave our houses after a death has taken place. Whenever this law has been broken, a great misfortune has followed. Whenever it is obeyed, we find the corpse and the offerings gone. Uh, perhaps you have seen the cause? And then Musso told of the dim and awful shape that had devoured the body and the offerings. The people looked at one another and nodded in agreement. Ah... What you have told us, Reverend Sir, agrees with what has been said about this matter from ancient times. Does not the priest on the hill sometimes perform the funeral services for your dead? Reverend Sir, uh, what priest? Why, the priest on the hill. It was he who directed me to this village. I called it his anjitsu. He refused me lodging, but he told me the way here. Oh, Reverend Sir, there is no priest... And there is no Anjitsu on the hill for many generations. There has never been a priest in this neighborhood. Musa said nothing more. He got directions to his destination and bid the villagers farewell. Yet, curious about the other priest, he went back the way he had come and looked for the hermitage on the hill. He found the Anjitsu without any difficulty, and this time the gruff monk bid him to enter. And in the dim light, he found the old monk huddled in a corner of the tiny room, weeping. Oh, I am so ashamed. 
Ah, I am so ashamed. You have nothing for which you need to be ashamed. You directed me to the village, where I was treated kindly, and I thank you for that favor. Ah, I can give no man shelter. And it is not for refusing you that I am ashamed. I am ashamed that you should have seen me in my true form. Ah, it was I who devoured the corpse and the offerings last night. No, reverend sir, that I am Jinkininki, an eater of human flesh. Oh, have pity upon me. A long time ago, I was a priest in this desolate region. There were no other priests for many leagues. And so the bodies of the Moncton people who died were brought here, that I might perform the funeral service. But I repeated the words and performed the rituals as a matter of business. I thought only of the food and the clothing that my office would gain me. And because of this selfishness, I was reborn immediately after my death into the state of Jinkininki. Since then, I have been obliged to feed upon the corpses of the people who die in this district in the way that you saw me last night. Oh, I am doomed. Oh, reverend sir, I beseech you to perform a segaki, the service to appease the soul of a hungry spirit, for that is what I have become. Only through your prayers can I escape from this horrible existence. As soon as the hermit had uttered those words, he faded from view. The hermitage also disappeared, and Musso found himself kneeling alone in the high grass beside an ancient and moss-covered tomb, the tomb of a fellow priest. Today's fairy tale sponsor is Mr. Fox's Dating Service. In the age of online dating, finding a suitable partner has never been more confusing or dangerous. Stop swiping and clicking and find your perfect match through Mr. Fox's dating service. Each candidate in the service is wealthy, has the perfect social graces, and will charm your parents, though probably not your brothers. We do not vet their backgrounds, so please be sure you really don't care about this person's extracurricular activities. Mr. Fox's Dating Service. This is no time to wait for a gentleman to call. Be bold. Did you know that all patrons of the podcast would survive a zombie apocalypse and are amazing supporters of story? You too can live to fight the undead and join this special group of people for as little as $4 a month. A big thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. If you want to hear me make up facts about you and praise your name for all to hear then maybe you should become a supporter too. It would be pretty cool. Mama! Oh, that doll had a stare that made me uncomfortable. I turned her so she faced away from me and looked around for any child who might be missing her doll. When I didn't see anyone... I decided to set her out of traffic and hoped that her owner would come along and find her. I set her on the edge of the fountain and began walking away. Mama! Mama! 
Mama. She kept calling out, and instinctively, I turned back and picked her up quickly. The noise stopped. Well, fiddlesticks! Turning the doll over, looked for batteries with no luck, and when I flipped her upright, her eyes popped open. Mama! I was ready to put her down and sprint away when through the crowd I heard a little voice. Where's my dolly? A little girl came through the crowd with white paint on her face and a matching bit of red at her mouth. I held up the doll. She came sprinting through the crowd, hands out. I handed it back to her and she cuddled it up to her shoulder and shyly said, Thank you. I kept an eye on her. She went back to her parents, the doll looking over her shoulder at me. Those eyes stayed open. And before I turned away, I heard, Mama! The second story for today has a new teller and a familiar one. The first teller is Papa Joe, whose living folktales have engaged over 6,000 audiences. Papa Joe captured family audiences from Cowhead, Newfoundland to Austin, Texas, from the beaches in Florida to the mountains of Washington State. Many of his stories are delightful and for all ages, This story is on the creepier side. He's accompanied by Simon Brooks, the English fella and storyteller on the drum. This is the tale, Hubia. Once there was, and once was not, that an old man and his wife had got. A little girl with a sweet little dog. Stock house out beyond the bog. Why they lived out there alone? At least they should have built of stone. But in those days and in that place, primitive was our race. Late one night, in the bog so stark, the Hobies gathered. Stock walls. Eat the old man, eat the old woman, capture the little girl and stuff her in a sack. Little dog barked, frightening away the hobbies. But he woke up, old man, who said, Little dog barks and wakes me up. If I live till morning, I'll chop his tail off. And he lived till morning, chopped off the tail in spite. The hobbies gathered in the deep dark night. Hobia, 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 tear down the hempstock walls. Eat the old man, eat the old woman, capture the little girl and suffer in a sack. Frightening away the hobbies, waking up the old man, who said, Little dog barks and wakes me up. If I live till morning, I'll chop his legs off. And he lived till morning, chopped off the legs in spite. The hobbies gathered. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Tear down the hemp stalk walls. Eat the old man, eat the old woman. Capture the little girl and stuff her in a sack.
Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Alton Chung, Papa Joe, and Simon Brooks on the internet. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. You can find me and the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor is Anne Ray. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors and let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. If you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com. If it isn't in the cards to support the podcast right now, no worries. Perhaps you'd be willing to go write a review on iTunes, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. Head over to the website, join the mailing list for hidden goodies, and if you tune in, you'll hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary-Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.